Welcome back to another episode of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League, presented by 78 Sports. I'm Owen Shadrick alongside Matt Ferrara. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. We finally got a sunny day out here, a little less rain, so get to see some Futures League baseball. Yes, it is a beautiful weekend for Futures League baseball here on a holiday weekend. We're recording this on Monday, July 3rd, but releasing it on Wednesday, July 5th to give you guys the holiday to soak in all of the Futures League baseball before getting more podcast content. We know we know you missed us on Monday, but uh, we're here for you on a Wednesday here. Quick standings update for you as of Monday, July 3rd. The Vermont Lake Monsters are still at the top, but they have company. They are tied with the Worcester Bravehearts, who have won six in a row and have won nine of their last ten. Norwich has snuck into the playoff picture in third with New Britain rounding out the top four. Westfield's on a bit of a skid with Pittsfield right behind them. Nashua and Brockton holding up the bottom. Matt, who's playing well? In New Britain, we got Ryan Taylor. He hit he had seven hits and 13 at-bats last week with four RBIs. He's been doing really well this week. We got a couple of speedsters. In Brockton, Justin Bosland, he had seven stolen bases last week while hitting 450. On the pitching side of things, well, we got, let's see, Ryan Griffin, a little from Northeastern. He's been doing really well, five innings pitched, four strikeouts, along with Clay Robbins, who did another great start, five innings pitched, no runs, eight strikeouts. Yeah, the stars are starting to show out here as we have officially hit July in the Futures League. We also had our player and pitcher of the week announced this past week. Kobe Stetson had three home runs and drove in eight batters. And then Dylan Veeg is our pitcher of the week, striking out seven and six innings of one hit ball. Congratulations to those guys on their awards. We also have some headlines around the Futures League. And we start in Norwich, where former Sea Unicorn Kalen Culpepper was announced to be a part of the collegiate national team this summer for the representing the USA. Congratulations to Kalen. And we have more news from the big leagues, Matt. Yes. Emmett Sheehan continues his dominance in the big league. 17 innings pitched so far with a two, six ERA. He just had another start on June 29th against the Rockies where he got the win going five strong, only allowing three runs while striking out five. The former New Britain B and Boston College Eagle continues to deliver for the Los Angeles Dodgers. So congratulations to Emmett. But probably the biggest news and best news out of the Futures League this week comes in Vermont, where it was announced that coach Pete Wilk is back managing the Vermont Lake Monsters after uh, his treatment, his continued treatment for brain cancer. Pete, we are so excited to have you back on the field. And another guy that's really excited to have you back is our guest this week. It's Francis Ferguson, a three-year member of the Lake Monsters who has become a staple in their rotation and knows Pete quite well. Francis is also quite the hitter as he's a two-way player. We talked to him about that. We talked to him about the 2021 championship and the 2022 not-so-championship. Francis had a lot of good things to say, Matt. For sure. He gave us insight on both reaching the top of top of the baseball world and winning a championship and the heartbreak that comes with it and brings you back into the game and motivates you to win another one. Yeah. Francis Ferguson, Fergie, as you'll, uh, you'll learn that he is called around the Lake monster locker room uh, in a member of the Eastern Nazarene team as well. Talks about that talks about no hitters. We've had a lot of no hitter talk lately. He had one in high school as well. So he'll, we go into that a little bit. You guys do not want to miss this episode. Once again, we are so excited 
that coach Pete Wilk is back with the Vermont Lake Monsters. And uh, we can't wait for you to hear from another Lake Monster right now in Francis Ferguson. You ready, Matt? Oh, I'm ready. Let's shoot it. Francis Ferguson, here we come. We now welcome on our next guest here on Back to the Futures. He is a third-year member of the Vermont Lake Monsters and is looking to help bring his team yet another championship this season. It is Francis Ferguson. Francis, how you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. It is good to have you on the show. And I want to ask, we mentioned it's your third season here in Vermont. What brought you back to the Lake Monsters this summer here in 2023? Honestly, it was a lot of it had to do with coaching. Obviously, it's a big part of it. Um, but obviously another big part was the amount of fun that I had. Um, I've learned a whole lot here the last two years and so far going on the third year, I've already learned a lot, a lot more and I'm having fun while I'm doing it, playing well and winning the team. Yeah. There's so many, so many wins mm-hmm. that you guys have accumulated over the years. And I want to ask, cause there's you just mentioned a laundry list of things, but specifically what is your favorite part about playing baseball in Vermont? Honestly, it's the fan base, the fans and stuff that we, that we get out to every game. Um, obviously we have a pretty large fan base up here. Um, so it's nice to have that support behind us, whether we're losing or we're winning. Um, it's great to have, especially like if we're down, we're not doing so hot. It's great to have that support behind us and keep us motivated and keep pushing forward. And you talk about the fans, and we've already seen them behind you a few times, winning a few pitcher of the nights already this season. But how have you felt so far? Um, I felt pretty great so far. Um, so far, it's been a pretty good summer. Um, physically, I'm doing well. Mentally, I'm doing well. And it feels great to be back on the bump. And uh, I feel like I'm putting out the best that I can, which is pretty nice. And you've not only pitched this season, but you've also had some chances at the plate, and you're hitting 417 so far in the at-bats you've had. What's led to that opportunity? A um, whole lot of hard work, um, obviously. Like, I hadn't hit the last year, but I hit the year before, prior, so it's been a little while since I'd seen some live ABs before coming into the spring this year during my school season and stuff. So I worked pretty hard to get back at my swing back and get confidence at the plate, and I feel as though, like, all that work that I put in prior to that during that year and a half I took off pretty much from hitting and was only throwing um, has contributed a lot to this as well. And in the MLB, we see the stuff that Shohei Otani is doing with the great years he's had back-to-back years, maybe the best seasons of all time by a single player. Do you look up to him as a two-way or do you look up to certain players on each side of the ball? Um, Honestly, I I do, in a sense, I do look up to Shohei because obviously he can do both. He's doing pretty well at it. Um, but uh, a big part of that before Shohei came up to be it was Michael Lorenzen. Um, he had played for the Reds originally, but he plays for Detroit now. And he was a big, big inspiration for me to keep continuing to be a two-way because even though he mainly pitches, he still gets some ABs here and there, and he does pretty well. And a general question with two ways with you being one, do you believe that two way players have a future in baseball? I do. I do. Especially now. Um, I feel as though like I've seen a lot more of two ways progressing, especially through the collegiate level. Like I, I play uh, in my conferences, a few two ways and stuff, whatever, back at school over the summer, I've seen a few guys that are somewhat two ways and stuff and trying to put it together a little bit. But I feel as though that this is going to be, not like somewhat of like a big boom of 
two-way players because obviously you see it in the College World Series a lot as well as like Jack Haglion and whatnot. But I do believe that there's going to be a big boom of uh, two-way players. And how much value do you think that two-way players hold over a player that can only pitch or hit considering the value of a roster spot? I feel as though it probably does hold a lot of value in a sense because obviously you get like two players at one uh, instead of just one single player or two different players. So you obviously open up another roster spot, whether that be at school or whether that be over the summer. Um, but I feel as though like having a guy who, who can do both is like a big impact on the team, especially like from when it comes like comes to pitching and stuff, obviously, like if you got a guy who can throw like throw off the mound, it can also impact other pitchers and stuff to be a little more motivated in what they do as well as vice versa. When it comes to hitting, it, it creates a big impact. Just not overall as like just a, on the team, but like playing. And we see guys who spend day in, day out, all day, 24-7, putting work into getting one craft perfect, either hitting or pitching or fielding. How much extra work are you putting in to be able to do both at a high level and even recover after? Um, honestly, it's quite a lot. Uh, it's probably not as much as people necessarily think um, when they see a two-way player. Obviously, this is just my experience with it. Um, when I, like, for, like, instance, like, when I go out and when I, like, do my, like, throwing and stuff, whatever, I do everything as a pitcher, whether that, even if that means if I'm playing in the outfield, I still warm up and do everything as a pitcher. Um, obviously, I get my swings in. Um, obviously, like, the transition between both, like, taking BP and stuff and automatically going to, going into pitching or shagging fly balls is quite difficult, but Obviously, like, once you get, like, a set routine, it's pretty nice um, and pretty simple, especially if you've been doing it for a while. Um, yeah. And from the two-way talk, I'm sure we'll get back to that a little later in the show, but to general Futures League, your Futures League career, in 2021, the Lake Monsters enter the league for the first time with expectations unknown and a very little amount of time to get a roster together. You guys get a team together. And then at the end of the day, at the end of 2021, you guys are crowned champions. What did it mean to grab a title in your first season as a Futures League franchise? Um, it honestly meant a lot, obviously, because like with COVID and everything going on at the time, it was pretty, it was quite difficult um, at first and what, whatever, especially like coming into the league, we had struggled a little bit. Pretty sure we won on a major slump like the first two weeks. And then, like, a few weeks later, we ended, we ended up winning, I think, was it 14 games in a row and setting a league record. And obviously moving on to, like, winning the championship was huge, too. Um, but it was honestly an amazing feeling overall, um, being able to do that first year around. And I feel as though, like, having, like, a known fan base behind us, especially from being a former minor league team and seeing that, like, we're back and stuff uh, helped us win that year. Yeah, and you mentioned it. You guys went on a tear during the regular season and ended up winning 14 games in a row, breaking the Futures League record. What was the what was that like in terms of the clubhouse and the chemistry, and how did that kind of bring you guys closer together as you were fighting for a championship? Honestly, it was ecstatic. Like, there, like pretty much throughout the whole year, but, like, especially, like, during that, like, set time, it was, like, we were just going out there and having fun. Like, it necessarily, like, obviously, like, we were winning and we were – on a streak it really we weren't really thinking about that we're just going out there doing what we know we can do best 
and contribute to hopefully winning a game each day. Um, it was sort of, it, it was fun. It, it wasn't really necessarily like, oh, we got a ton of pressure on us that we, or like a ton of pressure on us that like we got to set a streak or like we got to go on a streak or whatever, or during the streak. It was more just go out there, stay relaxed, do what you do best and have a whole lot of fun while you do it. And one of the unique things about your team was the a little amount of guys that were actually there from day one, like yourself. You Everybody would called it three different rosters, it seemed like, from day one to when you guys won the championship. What was it like being there the whole time and witnessing all that change and kind of seeing the three different rosters take shape? And then, of course, you guys, you know, win it at the end of the day. Um, It was honestly pretty cool, not going to lie. Like, obviously, like, it's sort of, like, it's sort of not the best, like, the best thing, I guess, for Zoom to like, have a bunch of guys coming in and out, whatever. But obviously, that's happens with summer ball time to time. But it was honestly pretty cool being able to, like, necessarily, like, quickly put a team together and, like, get extremely close with these guys and go out there and each day and win. It's pretty nice. And the next year, you guys had a similar mm-hmm. story, an incredible regular season, but found yourselves on the wrong side of the title losing to Nashville in three games. What did that series in game three teach you? That, like, I've talked about this a bunch of times with a bunch of guys, especially new guys coming in this year, um, asking about, like, what it felt like to, like, lose, like, win a championship and go on to following year, going to another championship and lose and stuff. Like, the only way, like, I could, like, describe that, like, whole thing is just, like, it was quite literally just baseball. Like, obviously, like, I learned that, like, a whole bunch from it, like, mentality standpoint, stay strong and whatnot. But I also realized that, like, stuff like that happens. Like, you never really know necessarily what can go on during a baseball game and whatever. But, like, even if you do everything right, sometimes you just still fall short a little bit. We still got to keep pushing. So, obviously, this year we're going to obviously try to turn that around a little bit and come back and win another one. And baseball wouldn't be the sport it is without a little bit of heartbreak to drag you back in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the guys that have experienced that heartbreak with you are guys that also experienced that moment of glory with you. Wyatt Cameron, Colby Brulette, Silas Reed, guys that have been here since 2021 along your side. What does that say about the culture in Vermont that these guys and yourself want to keep coming back? It's just like a big family, I would say. Um, obviously you guys got the coming back that, that come back and stuff, whatever. And we, we know each other pretty well and we stay in touch during the, during the off season and whatnot during the spring. Um, but having those guys come back helps us create like a family, even with the new guys, the younger guys and stuff, the guys who are coming out of high school and coming to play college baseball for the first time, it, it helps create that like team mentality, like where, you are not just a team. You are pretty much a family because you, you spend all your time together. Um, and I feel like that's a big thing, like, up here. Like, everybody knows each other pretty well. Everybody knows their schedules. Everybody knows what, what they do and what they want to do, and everybody's got that same mentality, so it helps out a lot. You talk about the Lake Monsters as a family. There's no better embodiment of that than Pete Wilk, who is officially back on the field after a long treatment with for brain cancer. He's back officially as of last week. We're so happy that Pete is back on the field. What are some words of encouragement that you have for him or have had for him? How much has he meant to you and this organization? And what is it like to have him officially back 
in the dugout managing for you guys once again. So it's it's all it's obviously an amazing feeling having him back in the dugout. Um, obviously, like I feel as though like he's a, as you said, like he's the leader in all of this, and he has taught a whole bunch to a whole bunch of guys and put this group to help put this group together and create that family scenario. So it's like it means a whole lot that he's back and obviously like in a situation, like I wish the best for him. Like it, it's an awful thing and whatever, but it's great to have him back. Like just, there's really no words that can necessarily describe the feeling um, knowing that he's back, especially like after the game, when he came up, when he came out and we realized that he was, he was actually here. It was, it was sort of like, it was almost like you're like in a speechless moment. Yeah, going on Twitter a couple of days ago and seeing the I'm mm-hmm. back uh, caption and ha- hearing him and seeing him back on the baseball field, it meant it meant a whole lot to all of us here at the Futures League, and it's good to have Pete back on the field. Of course. Hold on, we'll get right back to Back to the Futures, but first we want to share a message from our friends at 78 Sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in New England, not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home our friends at 78 sports can help you put together the perfect at home training setup whether you want to start small with just a tee and a net or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine they have you covered and i've used their stuff before i've seen their facilities they definitely cover everything the team at 78 sports design and install hundreds of at home and commercial sports training facilities so let them help you find the perfect setup for your space Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number eight, sports.com. For a limited time only, by just mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. And you yourself, you're a Massachusetts native. What was the attraction in going to Vermont in the first season that you were going up there in 2021? I want to be honest. Like, I sort of just wanted to get out of Massachusetts a little bit, experience some other baseball that just wasn't just – obviously, like, we're in the Futures League, so we play some time down in Massachusetts, Connecticut, and the area and whatever. But I felt as though knowing that Pete Will, Coach Finch, and Chris Richards and the program that we have up here and the guys that we have leading the program – are pretty I had heard they were pretty well pretty good at their job and obviously coming up here and experiencing that um just keeps me wanting to come back and keep learning more and you've talked about Vermont as a family and of course as every family does they have fun we've had a few guys on the podcast who have gone over the many nicknames in your locker room including Blue Feather what is Mm -hmm. your nickname um, my nickname is Fergie. Everybody, like I think everybody has called me Fergie, and I'm only known as Fergie a lot of times. They even know me as Francis. Um, but my nickname is uh, Fergie. Sometimes Finch calls me. Coach Finch calls me Shohei, but majority of the time it's just Fergie. What's your favorite nickname that's in the locker room? I'm gonna be honest. I think like Fergie is, but hearing Shohei t- time to time gives you a little, that little self-esteem boost and that little confidence boost, which is nice. And have you come up with any of these nicknames by yourself? No, I haven't. I I think I heard Shohei first time from coach Finch 
Um, Fergie's been my nickname ever since I stepped foot on a baseball field. And the other night, hot dog hysteria. How mm-hmm. many hot dogs could you eat? I'm going to be honest. I did not eat a single hot dog. I was probably the only one in the whole team that did not eat a single hot dog. But I do know Ollie Pugvar ate 20 hot dogs and proceeded to pitch that game. Yeah, well, so I he ate never. the hot dogs before the game and then pitched? Yes. While, like Pretty much while he was playing, he did. Yeah. So say you participated, say you you were a fan or even, I don't know, an off day and you were going to eat, participate in the hot dog hysteria. How many do you think you could eat? Could you do 20? Oh, I think I could do 20. Yeah? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like my food. Yeah, I think I could do it. Light work. But hot dog hysteria night is the one of many uh, promotions that the Vermont Lake Monsters do up there and they make the fans, they entertain the fans so well. What is your favorite promotion? It could be the hot dog one, but what is your favorite promotion that they do up there? I think my favorite promotion is either Maple Kings, which you recently just had, um, partially just because the jerseys are probably the one of the best jerseys that we have, um, but also the breast, can- breast cancer awareness night. That means a whole lot. Yeah, those nights, those nights like that, there's nothing better than that. And... We talk about the fans. They have so much fun up there in Vermont. The passion is unmatched in Vermont and around the Futures League. What's it like being able to play in front of those fans night in and night out and get a taste of baseball passion around New England? It's honestly amazing. Um, it's a lot different from what I experienced at home. Um, obviously, like being in Massachusetts, like there's a lot of baseball going around and stuff. But a lot of times, like you necessarily don't really see those big crowds, especially like at the collegiate level. So going up to Vermont, it's something else. It's it's amazing having that support and just going out there and seeing what almost between 2,000 to 4,000 people in the crowd and stuff, it's, it's electric. I love it. Yeah, those Lake Monster fans for sure know how to show up at games oh, and yeah. give, give you their absolute best. Mm-hmm. Before we return to Back to the Futures, we want to share a message from our friends at Zorian Back Company. Rob Zorian started the company, Zorian Back Company, in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continues to manufacture the highest grade wood bats for Little League all the way up to the majors. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian, says, I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond. And after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. For more information about Zorian, visit their website, zorianbats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to Back to the Futures. And transitioning here to your college ball, you play college ball at Eastern Nazarene College. What has your time been like there? Um, It's been... It's been pretty good for the most part. Um, being Like, this past season, pretty much being my first collegiate season, um... Well, it was pretty, it was pretty nice. Um, especially during the COVID year, obviously it was pretty difficult because we only played half a season. Um, like so far it's been pretty good. Like having the support from coach, from coach Shank over there and having the support of the team. It's almost like another family that I have and coming here too. It, it, I've, I've loved it so far. And you also have some teammates around the league as well, including Shane McNamara in Nashville, who's mm-hmm. having another great year. 
what's it like when you face him in futures and do you have an extra edge when you're facing him uh it it's pretty fun facing him not gonna lie like we have like this thing little thing that goes on like where he doesn't really see a lot of fastballs when i'm throwing to him it's a lot of breaking balls and every time we go back every time we go back to school i hear him complaining about all the breaking balls and curveballs that i throw but it's it's pretty nice seeing that too and you just wrapped up your junior year and you're about to be a senior What's been the biggest growing point for you at school in the past three years? I personally, I think the biggest growing point has sort of been like um, a mental growing point, not necessarily just physical and on the baseball field and whatnot. Like going through college and being a student athlete is a lot. Um, Obviously, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, whether that be in the um, student portion where it's in your academics and when you're going to classes and whatnot, or it could be on the baseball field. Um, but I feel as though like these last three years and has been sort of like a big growing point mentally. So I'm getting tougher, uh, mentally, like getting stronger mentally. Um, and there's a lot of things that I've learned, um, in the last few years. And we've definitely seen that mental toughness and confidence on the mound at school. You had a two Oh six ERA and 65 and two thirds innings pitch this season. How did you feel coming off the mound this season, and what was it like lowering your ERA significantly? It's honestly a great feeling, um, like coming back and being able to do that. Um, obviously, like my ERA the last few years has been quite high, um, and especially not even just in the Futures League, but like also like my first like my first COVID year um, in the spring. So it, it 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 was like a big like sort of breath of fresh air in a sense that all the work that I've put in has somewhat finally paid off obviously the work doesn't end there but it's it's starting to finally pay off a little bit and it feels pretty pretty good and that's great you know you're getting mentally tougher and you're lowering your era and focusing harder on the mound and you're also doing your thing at the plate you hit 429 this year with 31 rbis what's it like having that type of season at the plate in addition to what you were doing on the mound it it, feel, it sort of feels unreal, not gonna lie. Um, being like being able to know that I can actually contribute both ways to um, a team, it's an amazing feeling. Like being able to go up there, not only on the mound, like come like go straight off, like throw off the mound one inning and then go up there the next inning with the bat and be able to contribute both ways is if it's an honestly amazing feeling. So you're good. Your ERA getting lowered. And your average getting higher earned you New England Collegiate Conference Pitcher of the Year to go with all NECC and an NECC tournament nod and D3 Baseball All-Regional First Team and ABCA Rawlings All-Regional First Team honors. That's a lot of accolades. And you earned mm-hmm. it. You had a great year. What does that all mean, looking back and being able to you know, give, look back and see all those accolades come to fruition after you had a great year? It feels great, like, knowing that, like, what I've done in the past has paid off, especially, like, having my first year, collegiate year, like, being shut down by COVID, like, halfway through the year, and then going in my second year, having to take a uh, a little break off from playing baseball and going to school, and then come finally coming back and be able to sort of see that, like, that work that I've done in that time and the sort of the stuff that I've learned is, has been paying off. It, it's an amazing feeling or not, but like, I've also learned from like my family, like just from my dad and my mom 
that like necessarily the work really isn't done yet like obviously like those like those awards are mean a lot but it's not not necessarily like this is a tough question man i keep messing up i'm sorry you're good you want repeat that one more time i think i got yeah. it i'll just give a general overview and then you can just shoot for it basically just mm -hmm. all the awards you won this year what does it mean to you know look back and be able to have all those in your uh in your trophy case now it, it's a great feeling being able to see like the work that i've done paying off finally a little bit um obviously like coming out and going into the spring i've only played like one covid year which is only half season and finally getting the opportunity to be on the field and receive those awards and do the best that I can. It's a great feeling. We talked about all your accomplishments. We talked about Eastern Nazarene, but going back generally, how do summers in Vermont help you prepare for life at school when you go back? There's, there's a whole lot that being up here prepares you for. Um, obviously you learn a whole lot on the baseball side, like where you're going out every day, getting on the field, working with the coaches and working with your teammates and whatnot. But it also helps you prepare for other things outside of that as well. Like a lot of times, like too, like we have like the camps going on here, working with, with working with the public and working with the fans and stuff. It also shows you and helps you learn more about yourself and like how you should be as a person and how you should be as a player, and how to give back and like how to be able to just overall, obviously, just be a good person. And we've asked every division play player that comes on this podcast this question how much pride do you take in playing for a division three school uh i take a whole lot of pride um in it um obviously like be being able to play with like these d1 guys d2 guys um obviously because i'm a d3 guy if it, it's good it's nice especially you get guys from like big d1 schools like wake forest and vanderbilt and whatnot it, it's a cool experience um but also like it shows you like like you can compete with these guys too. Not necessarily just because your D three school doesn't really mean like, oh, like you're bottom of the barrel. Um, but it shows that like you're like as long as you stay consistent in what you do and take pride in what you do, you can compete. Doesn't really matter what's thrown in front of you. And you talked about competing with big school D one players in Futures League. And would you believe that there is a difference in work ethic between divisions or do you think it's all pretty similar? I do believe that there is a difference between the divisions, like division school, like D1, D2, D3. Um, obviously coming from a D3 school, I believe like when it comes to like necessarily like funding and what you're given to be able to like put like to be able to physically get better, be able to mentally get better, be able to, go out there on the field and be able to produce is a whole lot different, like necessarily like what you got for a field, like what you got for like a weight room, and obviously like what you got for a whole bunch of guys. Cause a lot of times, like I feel as though like the big difference between these divisions is not necessarily just the players and like what they, how they perform and what they do. A lot of it's necessarily just consistency throughout pretty much everything um like whether it comes to like worth ethic like whether it comes to like being able to perform and so forth like i feel like a big part of it is just like consistency obviously like some other things play a factor in it too but yeah certainly other things play a factor but at the end of the day it's just baseball as you've said multiple times on this podcast but 
yeah, like D D three guys definitely have a little bit of chip on their shoulder, I'd say, for sure. Of course. Yeah. And another D three guy that we talked to last week was Jared Curian over with the New Britain Beast, who threw a no hitter last week. And you yourself actually have a combined no hitter from uh Wachusett Regional High School. What did it feel like to throw that combined no hitter? And were you thinking about it at all while you were on the mound? I know that was a long time ago. Um, I'm gonna be honest, I honestly don't even think like I probably necessarily even thought about it. Like a majority of the time when I go out to the mound, a lot of the times, even in high school, it, it was more just go out there and pretty much throw the ball as hard as I can and have fun with it. Like obviously you're competing for something, you're competing with, with the guy at the plate and whatever. But like overall, it's just, I don't really think I ever like necessarily thought about it when I when, when throwing. Like, I'll, like you just go out there, compete, and throw the ball as hard as you can and obviously have fun. Having fun's a big part of it. Yeah, and that certainly must have been fun when the final strike was thrown and, and you the no-hitter was completed for you guys. That must have been awesome. Mm-hmm. And that right there is a pretty good baseball memory. But for, the, for our final question here today, I want to ask, if you had one, if it's that great, you can just repeat it. But what would be your favorite all-time baseball memory if you had to choose one? Um, my favorite baseball all-time memory, I'm going to be honest, is probably there's a whole list that I could go forward with. But I think right now, like, winning the SCB, SCBL championship with uh, the Lake Monsters back in 2021, I feel as though, like, that was probably my favorite, just, like, the overall morale and, like, the family that we put together as a team and unit that we had put it together as a team to be able to win was – it was something else. It was a whole other experience. Yeah, I figured it would be that, but that's mm-hmm. uh, that was a great, great championship series that was in 2021, and you guys obviously coming out on top. Fergie, Francis Ferguson, thank you so much for joining us on this episode today. We wish you the best of luck moving forward, and uh, yeah, and another great rest of the season, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. And this has been Season 7, Episode 6 of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.